When you think of a trumpet and organ duo that plays concerts, you might think that they're going to play classical music like Bach and Handel and Vivaldi. Well, they will, but they'll also do this. You'll hear some patriotic music, and you will even hear Freddie Mercury's Bohemian Rhapsody. What? It's not the kind of concert that you would expect. Explain what people will see when they come to the concert on Sunday, or if they see a concert down the road that you guys are doing. It's not just a a kind of a stiff performance. You guys really get into it. There's a little bit more than trumpet and organ. We don't want to come out and do an academic recital. We, We can, and we have many times. But we like to really come up with a great mix of styles for our concerts. And we have, in addition to traditional literature, spent a lot of time over the last three years or so arranging ourselves and working with arrangers to come up with some really unique and wide-ranging styles of things that we like to do. The thing that we found is a special connection to audience is our use of videos that we perform to in our programs. That is our niche, trying to make us different. Other than our, I think, really great and entertaining programs we do, audiences seem to really enjoy that. One of those things that we do as a tribute to veterans is a sequence of an Arlington National Cemetery funeral. It's a very powerful video, and many people have not seen that. We do uplifting things as well, funny things. I have a Carnival of Venice uh, little shtick thing that I do with six, six different trumpets, and and acrobatics that happen as well. And we have some silent movies that we play our music to. So we're just trying to cover all bases to make an entertaining and also very musical program. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast originates from and connects the gateway city to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. We have something very special here. While they're not in studio, uh-huh. the Sipe Sheets trumpet and organ duo, they're kind of like unlike any ensemble today. I saw them a couple years ago. Matter of fact, they're very entertaining, they're humorous, and you can hear the kind of music that they play. They also play popular music. This is a trumpet right. All right. and an organ. This is two people? Two people. Oh, my. So Chuck Sipe, uh-huh. Dr. Charles Sipe, oh who's a former Army musician, U.S. Army. He's the trumpet player. And Dr. Randall Sheets, who's the ceremonial organist for Arlington National Cemetery, was the organist. And we've got Chuck oh. and Randy on the line. Wow. Guys, good morning. Good morning. We're good. thrilled to be with you, oh. Arnold and Mark. Oh, thank good you. Good morning. Yeah. Now, I, there's a disclaimer here. Wow. <laughs> Chuck and I were roommates at the University of Kansas oh, for my. many years. Why? What? I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> because we had to do that. I've watched his career, and just he's taken off phenomenally wow. over the course of time. And when I heard him a couple years ago and saw the program, another roommate was sitting next to us, and I said, I don't believe his programs 
is I, I don't think it's ambitious enough. <laughs> and, and it was a crazy program. Wow. Chuck, how, how many hours a day you practice now, dude? Oh, probably four to five hours every day. It's just kind of what it takes to, to keep the trumpet in line so I can uh, relax and enjoy uh, my time performing. And for everybody, it's probably a little bit different, but that, that's what it takes for me anyways. Yeah, it's a labor of love. I would say. It is. And, and Randy, you can't haul those organs around all the time. It gets a little heavy <laughs> dragging those things behind you. How do you keep up uh, when you're on the road? There, there are a lot of similarities between pipe organs. You have, they each have certain stops that look the same on paper. And uh, the operation of a pipe organ is generally about the same from organ to organ. But the variance between them is very dramatic as well, of course, based on the size and the of the organs and the rooms and the acoustics and everything else. But it's a treat to get to hear and play as many different organs around the country as we do. It's a treat and an education. I bet. And, folks, we're doing this because Sunday, October the 3rd, at 4 p.m., they're performing at Second Presbyterian Church on Westminster. And if you want seats, you need to make some reservations, and you can call 314-367-0366, leave a message for Andrew, or you can also send an email to music at secondchurch.net. Can I give that number again? Absolutely. He he does it so fast, guys. 314, because I think it's going to be an exciting time. It is. 367-0366-0366. Call. Now, guys, give a little background more than what I gave at the front end. Chuck and Randy, and you guys can just go from there. Give us a little history of what you've done in your background. Hey, yeah, like you said, Arnold, we were roommates at the University of Kansas, and you were you were always an inspiration to me. You were principal clarinet, and wow, just to hear you play, but to also room with you, you helped me grow up. So you were a great influence, but I I was fortunate enough to win a a position with the United States Army Band in Washington, D.C., and then I spent a 32-year career there, and I've been retired eight or nine years from that and just having a lot of fun performing and playing. Of course, in the Army Band, we had a lot of highlights, which traveling around the the country and in some cases around the world and for uh, events and the backdrop of historical events. So very uh, fortunate to have a unique career like that. And But also what was very special was performing for funerals in Arlington National Cemetery. A very meaningful career. So when you say that, you're talking playing taps at, like, Tomb of the Unknown and also at uh, burials. That's correct, yeah. Thousands of times I've played taps over my career. Wow, wow. Very special, yes. Randy, how about... I came to the Washington, D.C. area to do graduate work at the University of Maryland, and like many graduates do, ended up staying in the area, and I was fortunate enough 25 years ago to become the organist at Arlington National Cemetery and work at the Old Post Chapel where our funeral services take place before the burials. And uh, it's been been a a great honor to be a part of that, of Arlington National Cemetery and honoring veterans. And in the chapel, we four chapel services every day, five days a week, 52 weeks of the year. The cemetery never closes. Even if the government shuts down, the cemetery is always open. If families are scheduled and they can get there, and then their service will take place. And it's just been a very, very interesting and exciting way to use my skills as a keyboardist and an organist in a situation like Arlington National Cemetery. Very appreciative that you 
are doing that oh, yeah. and have done that. I'm sure that's very comforting to families. It's been very rewarding. I, and the great reward is working with the families and seeing their appreciation. And it, it is very meaningful. So are there some memorable moments or, or highlights, Randy, that you can share with us being the organist at Arlington or well, throughout your career? I, I would have to say, even though we have had some really high-level people that we've had services for, like John Glenn and Supreme Court justices and mm-hmm. astronauts, um, every service we do with the same degree of care and, and meaning. And that's one of the, one of the fun, uh, interesting things about my job, even after all of these years, Every day is just like another, it's like a new day. It's because every service is for a different family and honoring a different veteran, and you, you have to treat them all as if they're, they're special, which they are. That's, I appreciate that very much. Oh, yeah. We, our family was just in Washington, D.C., and we spent the whole day at Arlington going around. And to see... It's an amazing, it's an amazing place. I always tell really? people that even without without thinking about what it's about and what it means. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the most beautiful 675 acres, right. I think, on, in the country, the way it sits on the, the banks of the Potomac River, mm-hmm. overlooking the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, what history of our nation is there, and just you just you're overwhelmed by the sacrifice that so many have given for mm-hmm. our nation. For and, sure. And the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, just, I, if you've never been there, we've been there a couple times now. It's just remarkable. It just st- stops you in your tracks. And I guess, Randall, I guess you don't go out into the into the cemetery itself because you're of your. That's organ. right. That's right. right. When we're doing a full honor service, the the various bands, if it was the army band, occasionally mm-hmm. Chuck would be playing with them, and they might be out in front of the chapel playing in the beginning and at the end, and then of course leading the procession into the cemetery. But right. my work is strictly in the chapel. Gotcha. Yeah, we were able to experience. Uh, some graveside bands that came out with full honor guard and 21 gun salute. It was, it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. It yeah. gives you a cold chill. I, no matter how many times yeah. you've seen this over the years, right. it always gives you a, it's something I'm, very I'm, special. I'm getting it right now. Just thinking about it, mm-hmm. just thinking about it. And Robert Kennedy's grave, just all by itself, just oh, off J-K-K. to the side. Yeah. Very simple grave. Right. Oh, RFK. Yeah. Yeah. RFK. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. So good work. God bless you now, for, I will for say doing it. On the fun side, we've gotten a little somber and serious here, but on the fun side, Chuck and I met very soon after I got there 25 years ago because the Army Band is right across the street from the chapel. And uh, Chuck is very good at making him himself the organist around the, <laughs> around the Washington, D.C. area. And he was kind enough to introduce himself to me, and we've played so many weddings over the years and just had a ball doing that. I was going to ask how you guys met. So you guys play the Macarena when nobody's around? We try to please them within certain guidelines. <laughs> I, it's funny uh, because it was a joke in our family because the reason why I, I, I was outgoing to meet as many organists as possible in D.C. is because when we started having a family and my wife stayed home with the kids, the, the gigging on the outside was instrumental. And in so we'd always have a joke with the family. It's no matter whether we had to buy shoes or, or go on a family vacation, or whatever it was, it, hey, Chuck, it's just another wedding. Playing for weddings <laughs> was an income that I depended on, and so I, I have a lot of good organist friends and that's helped our family out <laughs> over the years. And, of course, Randy was instrumental in that, too, so he helped buy a lot of shoes for our family. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, Chuck, to, uh, say a couple things about uh, things that happened in your career. I know you played for every president from Ronald Reagan to uh, Barack Obama. Wow. 
That's correct, and and for a good part of that, I was part of the Herald Trumpet. So obviously, we did inaugural parades. The Army Band led every inaugural parade. We we're the first first one out of the chute, and uh, for, for those days, and uh, and then Herald Trumpets playing for the president at the White House or wherever they happened to be, and uh, traveling around the country. I, I did a lot of performances with the Army Brass Quintet and arranged a lot of music for them and things grew from that and the reputation as far as an, an arranger and things and then of course randy and i have done some arranging for our duo as well so after we decided uh, yeah after we played several weddings together for many years in church services we decided hey i think before i retired from the army band I, we played a concert and then after i retired i thought like you know that was a lot of fun maybe we should do another concert or two and then it grew from there to where we're playing uh, about 25 concerts a year all over the country. So it's it, it's really growing, and we've just had a ball right now. We're on a little tour the first time out since March of uh, last year. So it's really, the, this is our what we love to do, and finally are getting the opportunity to get out and do that. But I've been very fortunate to, to surround myself um, with fabulous musicians starting at Kansas University to the Army Band to now with my buddy here, Randy, on the organ. So we are having a blast. And the publishing thing has really taken off. You've done a, a boatload of arrangements and have a book out on trumpet and organ for weddings, and that seems to have really uh, captured a lot of people. That that. The, the wedding book took off just, like I said, from doing so many weddings, and then that was kind of my connection to, to do some touring with Diane Bish, who is a, a very famous organist that travels around the world, and so that was a great connection. Not only did I travel with her, but she came to D.C. twice, and the Army Quintet recorded with her, so that was a wonderful experience. So, yeah, I've been really fortunate to, to be surrounded by, by great people, which helps elevate you, of course, and, and makes you... Uh, you know, better musician. Yeah, I'm really, really lucky. So explain what people will see when they sh- come to the concert on Sunday, or if they see a concert down the road that you guys are doing. It's not just a, a kind of a stiff performance. You guys really get into it. There's a little bit more than trumpet and organ. Fireworks? No. Almost. <laughs> Almost fireworks? Okay. Believe it or not, there are some. Oh. They're not live, but oh. you will see fireworks on Sunday at our concert. Okay. We, Chuck and I very consciously try, we don't want to come out and do an academic recital that you might hear as a graduated student. We can. You know, we, we can, and we have many times. But we like to really come up with a great mix of styles for our concerts, and we have, in addition to traditional literature, spent a lot of time over the last three years or so arranging ourselves and working with arrangers to come up with some really unique and wide-ranging styles of things that we like to do. So, Chuck, tell them about the other added uh, thing that they, is a little bit unusual about us. The thing that we found is a special connection to audience is our use of videos that we perform to in our programs. That is our niche, trying to make us different than other than our... I think really great and entertaining programs we do, but the connection of videos. So I'd say about 75% of our literature that we have that we perform for, and maybe even more, has a video that we perform to. And and audiences seem to really enjoy that. Of course, it takes, not only do we have to have our music down so well, 
but we have to have it coordinated so it fits perfectly with the videos and and that so that brings another dynamic to it but it's when it comes off really smoothly I, I think it's really effective um, of course because of our background with and with Randy being involved with funerals every day at Arlington and my military background we take it upon ourselves to do a lot of patriotic music. And one of those things that we do as a tribute to veterans is a sequence of an Arlington National Cemetery funeral. And it basically takes you from the beginning, that chapel that brings together the chaplain, the ceremonial organist, the troops, the, the troops, the soldiers uh, of the old guard, the horse-drawn caisson, the United States Army Band, and the bugler, and take you from beginning to end of a sequence and and it's a very powerful video and many people have not seen that we have obviously do other things too but that's often an, an emotional time for a lot of people and we just so we do uplifting things as well um funny things i have a carnival of venice a uh, little shtick thing that i do with six six different trumpets and and acrobatics that happen as well and and we have some silent movies that we play our music to that's really brilliantly arranged and and something like Takata and Fugue that will have scary silent movies too that are fun and Vivaldi Spring that's got the videos go perfectly with the music and the sonnets or the poems that go along with it and so we're just trying to cover all bases to make an entertaining and also very musical program. You know, that was a great way to put that, an entertaining and a very musical-oriented program, because it is. It's very educational, because you're playing a lot of good standard literature. Like, I'm a clarinet player, not a trumpet player, but I remember you playing a lot of this stuff in the practice room. And it's, it's not like you are sitting in a recital hall and watching people do a recital. It is very engaging. And it's also, you get involved with what's going on. Now, how's this going to work with the organ being in the back of the sanctuary on this particular concert and program that you're going to do? On we, we will have a video, a screen in the front, and the videos will be, the congregation, the audience will be able to see the videos that we're talking about very easily. And if we are doing something that doesn't involve video, Chuck has very kindly put uh, together a little camera set up for us so that the audience will not have to turn around they can actually see my hands and feet on the organ as they're playing and it just even with an organ in the back we we make it very comfortable i think for people to enjoy what we're doing so it'll be the organ and then then the trumpet camp (laughs) something like that now how many times randy has that happened where the organ's in the back that it, it's happened not not as frequently but we made sure that when we do have those times that we put the movie camera on 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 us in the balcony so people can see us and they there lots of times people are not fully understand what the organist really does with his hands and feet and so it's really fun there are a couple of pieces we are coming down front with to play with piano so they'll get to see us up close without looking at the screen so Wow. So I want to play uh, kind of a little clip here. I'm getting off my, my script with our engineer here, but wanted to give this to you. He's wondering what I'm going to hold, what number I'm going to hold up. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up, hang on that, Derek. Randy, what I'd like to do is get into a conversation with you about some of the unique features of organs. 
oh, and yeah. what distinguishes different organs. It's not like it's the mighty Wurlitzer or Hammond B3. A Hammond B3, which is a great organ, or yeah. a Fender Rhodes mm-hmm. piano, which is a quasi yeah. little yeah. quasi organ. Mm-hmm. And then and get into that. And then, Chuck, I want you to talk about, and this will probably be after the break, I want you to talk about your philosophy of performance, because you made a great statement to the students at uh, Texas Tech where you were a, a visiting assistant professor of trumpet that I thought was uh, very enlightening to them. It should have been, and it was very true because we know trumpet players. When we were in school, it was always higher, faster, but there's more. I'm, I'm sure you're laughing. <laughs> there's more it's, to There's that more than, that? than higher, faster, no. louder, and he's going <laughs> to explain that. But we're going to take an early break here for Derek. So he's going to close out with this a little bit. And he's looking for that right now. And then I'm going to continue to read some more information. So the Sipe Sheets trumpet duo is going to be, uh, trumpet and organ duo, is going to be performing at the Second Presbyterian Church in St. Louis this Sunday, October 3rd at 4 p.m., 4501 Westminster Place. And you need to call for tickets, 314 367-0366 leave a message for Andrew or you can email at music at secondchurch.net so check that out also I did find out the concert's supposed to be streamed so if you can't get there or there's too many people they have to have a limited seating then you can stream it Okay, really? that'd be a good way to do that oh, yeah. so guys we'll be back after the break okay well, thank you Listeners, if you want to get that 
in person. You need to show up at the Second Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, October 3rd at 4 p.m., 4501 Westminster Place. Call 314-367-0366 for tickets. And you were listening to Dr. Chuck Seip on trumpet and Dr. Randall Sheets. He's rolling his he's rolling his R's on that yeah. trumpet. <laughs> it's wow. Guys, I'm impressed. Every time I listen to stuff, well done. And watch your videos. Uh, some of the things that are going to be on the program, we've got George Friedrich Handel's going to be playing. He's not going to be playing, but they're going to be playing his music. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's going to be there. He's coming up out of the grave. Yeah, okay. Uh, Vivaldi, <laughs> Toccata and Fugue, Mazorsky's Pictures at an Exhibition. There's a couple other special kinds of things, including somebody something from somebody called Freddie Mercury. Whoa. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> wow. And it deals with the word that was in that song we just heard. Oh, the word. A word. We just a word of that song we okay. just heard. Okay, you got me. There's a link there. That was Rhapsody in Blue. Okay. Oh. And the Freddie Mercury song is going to be the, the Rhapsody song, right? Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian, Bohemian, yeah. Bohemian. <laughs> it's early still, it's guys. Still. Welcome back. Thank you, Hank. Randy. Talk to us a little bit about organs and what's the unique features of different ones. Oh, wait, wait. Organs have got me amazed. First of all, they can make sounds that they shouldn't make. I think well, they make sounds yeah. on the uh, good ones, right? Yeah, they are good ones. And then how you play with your feet, I don't get that at all. I don't know. It's hard enough for me to walk and chew gum. I, I do play the tickle the iris a little bit. It's hard for me to get my left hand and my right hand going. But I can't imagine <laughs> throwing feet in there. So. That's all. That's all I gotta add. Yeah, it's just amazing. What a talent! I have to say, I was a pretty good pianist in high school before I started studying organ, and that first year at the organ was very <laughs> tough to get the feet to, to learn how to behave like a, a third hand. But you work through it, and eventually, it's practice can bring you a long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. So, in terms of the unique feature about organ, one of the fun things I'm sometimes jealous of people like Chuck, who can he's got his trumpets fine tuned and he knows exactly what they're going to do and and he works with them every day. Of course, I, when we do a concert, I, I have not seen the organ that we will be playing on, and it takes several hours. We typically allow about four to five hours for me to get to know an instrument and to know what its capabilities are, what its sounds are, and then beyond that to figure out how we can set registrations that will enable us to play a wide variety of music over the course of an hour and 15 or 20 minutes and and it's it's very it's a lot of fun it's sometimes very challenging depending on the organs a lot of times we'll have what they call general pistons so i can set up if a piece if i want to come up with four different sound palettes for instance for a particular piece i can set those up in advance so that the changes can be made by just pressing a single button on the general piston there, however, there are older organs, smaller organs, tracker organs that do not have that capability, and it becomes a little bit more difficult to, to make quick registration or sound color changes. And these are just things that you learn to do how to manipulate. The organs can have anywhere from two manuals to sometimes four or five manuals. Mm. And, of course, anywhere from a small organ might have about 
2,000 pipes to a large organ, maybe having six or 8,000 pipes. Oh, the acoustic in the room comes into play. So it's just it's a wide variety of things. It's a very interesting instrument. I think the, the last thing I'll say about it is that my job is to make a machine, a mechanical instrument, mm-hmm. sound musical. Yes. So that's, that's the task at hand. Is you're, you're trying to make something that's mechanical sound music, musical. And uh, if you can do that, I think you've succeeded. And, and bravo. He definitely succeeds, I can guarantee you that. It's just like uh, Randy is such an amazing musician, whether he's at the organ or the piano, but he makes it sound like a symphony orchestra, and each piece is totally different and with what he comes up with sounds. And often people will say, I didn't know the organ could sound like that. And that he, that's because he's so good at it, and that's why it takes five hours to do what he has to do on the organ to prepare for a concert. So he's pretty amazing. And, and bravo for that. I can't imagine taking, it seems like such a cold instrument to me. To try it with a trumpet, you can, or a guitar, you can stretch the strings and things like that. But the organ and the piano, trying to get that feeling out of that cold key, is it, you can push the key hard or soft and... But it just seems to me what a, a very harsh or hard instrument to play to get that that feeling that soul from it. But boy, when you do, it's an interesting thing to think about. But the piano and the organ, you might the layperson might look at that and say, "Hey, but they've got both got black keys and white keys. It looks fairly similar." The organ has a bunch of buttons and it has some pedals, but the actual the way you produce the sound on each instrument is completely different. Right. Just worlds apart. And if, like you say, on the piano, you control the sound by the, by the adjustments you make with weight and speed. Uh, and, but with the organ, it's all mechanical. You have to come up with the, the color changes by the different stops or the different kinds of pipes that you combine and the way you use them. And there, organs do have some, an expression mechanism which allows uh, sometimes different divisions of, of the organ would be different sets of pipes would be enclosed in a box, essentially. And it has uh, shades that can be opened and closed to various degrees. So even a mechanical pipe organ, you can do a crescendo and a decrescendo if that particular division of the organ is under expression. So it's just a wide array of, of means of making music that you learn. And I will say that the more over the last five years, as Chuck and I have been doing about 75 concerts around the country, you learn to appreciate the different organs and you learn to adjust more quickly. And it's been a great education and just a lot of fun to see these great organs and great churches and spaces around the country. Now, Randy, are there organ companies still going? I, I think in Lawrence there used to be an organ company, a maker. They would uh-huh. uh, construct organs. Are there still some there, there organ are makers still around? Very, some very fine organ builders around the country. And yeah, it's organ. The organ is, is about the oldest instrument in the world, believe it or not. Think about what were probably the first things that early man did to make music. We, we sang, it's our voice. What's, what after that? They blew into something, maybe a, a bad bamboo pipe, for instance, a bamboo reed or some sort. Air blowing through a pipe is essentially one of the earliest musical expressions that man came up with. And that's what an organ is. It's air blowing through pipes. So very closely related to the voice. What's our voice? Moving through our pipes, our, our, our voice boxes. So it's primal in a way, the organ, in that regard. So we like to think of the organ as being a, a very important part of early musical history. And uh, before the invention of the airplane, organists sometimes like to remind people that it was generally considered to be the most complex creation invention of man. 
Wow. Because with the several thousand pipes and all of the moving parts that you have to make those pipes operate, it's a very complex mechanical instrument. And before electricity, it was all done... And before electricity, that air was provided by bellows, much like a bellows that you might use at your grandmother, you know, when you were maybe in your grandmother's fireplace when you were growing up. There were the old bellows that you could open and close to produce air. That's In order to play in the early days, 500 years ago, you would also have to have another fellow over there manning the blowers to get the air into the pipes to get them to sound when you press the key. So a fascinating history of the pipe wow. organ. You made sure that guy was paid well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Bad and he didn't well. fall asleep yeah. or drink too much or well, something like yeah. that. No, he, you you got to keep those bellows moving or the sounds do stop. <laughs> hey, Chuck, you made a comment when you were working down at uh, Texas Tech, and I'm going to read it here. One thing trumpet players do very well is play like trumpet players. One thing that trumpet players don't do very well is play like musicians. Explain that. I understand what you're saying, but explain that and how you came about to getting to that point in your trumpet playing career. Yeah, and, and for some, uh, you know, trumpet is mechanically a, a challenging instrument to play. I'll just, at least I think so. And so there's fundamentals that you have to do to get yourself to the level of ability that you can play notes and make and and then attempt to to make music. And so it's we're it's often the act of just trying to make the sound to get to to play the notes on the page. The job of any musician is to make those notes come alive and be music. And when so trumpet players have a hurdle to get over to make those notes come alive to make music and it seems like when you're focused on making the music the trumpet playing becomes easier and so it's a win-win it's just a, a, a hurdle that that that's tough for trumpet players to, to get over if you're not trying to make music and sometimes it's you think you are but you're not necessarily doing it which is why we record ourselves so much to see well are we really doing what we're trying to say and the more I just think about making a musical phrase as with as much expression as possible, I'm just thinking about breathing, taking a good breath, and making music, taking my next breath and making music. Then it's easier and more, more enjoyable for the performer and hopefully for the listener as well. And that's getting all the technique and the technical aspect out of the way so you can actually understand a little bit about what the composer is trying to because if you're struggling with notes or all the some of the technical kinds of things you really can't get into the music and enjoy it yourself as a performer the joy of music it's nice when it can be joyful (laughs) by all (laughs) it's not a struggle no but it is a challenge to get to that level of wow i've got this all these uh, scales and all these uh, patterns under my fingers. And you actually then translate that to five other instruments. And as you said, uh, five other trumpets. And as you said uh, to some of the folks down there at Texas Tech, they look at a little piccolo trumpet and they think, oh, that's a little toy. That ought to be simple to play. When in essence, I'll let you finish that. The piccolo trumpet, the littlest one, makes me the most red in the face because you're still playing the, you know, it's 
use that for the baroque music, the the high the, the high music, and uh, so you still have to play up high, but make it sound like it's not hard. So it's there's a little trickery that has to go on mentally, <laughs> and a lot of practice. Like how do you get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> a lot of practice, right. <laughs> but. Right. Also, make it sound like it's a musical instrument instead of a toy. So right. You're basically singing with whatever you have in your hands. And it's a lot of back pressure, more back pressure on the piccolo than the, the regular B-flat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it takes just as much air, if not more. Yeah. Yeah, just and trying to relax while doing that. So. Well, and I know because you practice five, six hours a day and you've been doing that, you were doing that when we were in school. You were really getting on to it near the end when you were getting ready to graduate. And Yeah, just trying to keep up with everybody there. What a perfect storm that was, Kansas University, with all the folks that were there. It was an inspiration. If you weren't in the practice room doing it, then you, know, you weren't going to fit in with everyone else there. So it was a wonderful experience for sure. Now, guys, as I close the interview, I I want you to, uh, Randy and Chuck, both in your own unique way and for the instrument, give some advice to budding organists or or somebody who's struggling to make that transition, Randy, from piano to organ. And then, Chuck, you do the same thing about how to overcome some of the roadblocks that many times are put that musicians have to jump over to get to the next level. Okay, we'll start with you, Randy. I think with all instruments, it's really the same. It's, it starts with the desire to be a musician, and I think you acquire that through listening, through attending concerts, through trying to work, as Chuck implied a minute ago, is try, trying to work with the best people possible. You always want to be around and working with people that are better than you, that can you can learn from, that can inspire you. And there are no shortcuts. If you're trying to get to the end and omit some of the steps in the middle, it's never going to work. And so I think the main thing is just desire and the grit to stay with it if you really want to do it and to try to always listen as much as you can to as many different people as you can and find the best teachers you can find. But it all boils down to commitment in terms of that daily uh, commitment to to get up and to work, to make it a part of your life. Discipline. Discipline's a good word, yeah. Chuck, what do you think? The Olympics is a perfect example of the dedication that it takes of an athlete. I think musicians are just the same of the great performers that are out there performing, the amount of dedication that it takes. It's their life's dedication to get to a point where it's they can hopefully peak at the right time when it counts the most. We're trying to peak at the right time when we're performing, and it takes it just takes more work than probably what most people ever realize we're playing our instruments that there's it's we get to a point where it's where we can go out and perform and really enjoy what we're doing and that there's just just like preparing for the olympics there's a lot of work that goes into it and you have to be very fortunate but you have to do the work and never take for granted the amount of dedication that it takes to get to that point and I, I think it's also a desire to always get better. You've heard the adage that if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward, and that really is true with music. I agree with that, guys. I, I appreciate so much you coming on and talking to us about what you're going to be doing uh, on Sunday. And 
the fact that uh, you've been doing this. It's, it's a labor of love, and a lot of that labor has gone under the bridge, and you're enjoying the love of it now oh, yeah. because you've devoted that time and that discipline, like both of you have said. So Sunday, folks, Second Presbyterian Church, for tickets, call 314-367-0366. Chuck Seip and Randy Sheets, thanks for coming on St. Louis in Tune. We greatly appreciate it. Appreciate your talents. Thank you so much, yeah. Arnold. Arnold and Mark, you, you're you great. We Thank really you. appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, my friend. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Yep. Same here. Alrighty. Bye-bye. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. Take time to look at the show notes on the website for everything that was mentioned on this episode. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.